Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. I'm here with Braun, as always, and we're here to talk about the Titans game, a game in which the Packers won 40-14 to at a snowy Lambeau field. And we're going to talk about the uh, this upcoming game against the Chicago Bears. That is a playoff game for the Packers, because if they win, it means they get the number one seed in the NFC. We're going to talk about all that and much more. Braun, how you feeling after that win? Look, I'm feeling great. There's a lot of great things going on right now with this team and and all different things surrounding how we're playing. Uh, so things are good. Yeah, it was just a great game. This was probably my favorite game of the year. I don't know. This It was just amazing. The snow really helped. There, It just looked so, so appealing. And it's just the vibes were amazing. 40-14, to 14, a game even I did not see coming. I thought this would be more, of, much more of a shootout type of game. Uh, I called, I predicted to be like a game of the year candidate, but it was not that. It was a beatdown, and it was it was probably the best game of the year from both sides of the ball in their toughest test of the year. Yeah, it was one of those games where we were coming off a, a game where the Packers didn't put up their best performance against the Panthers, and now we're going up against this elite elite team in in the Titans, and and we just come out and bring our really not even our A game, but our A plus game. Um, and, and that's what you have to do. And, and we really showed, you know, we proved to the doubters that we can beat just about any team put in front of us, um, regardless of the games that we have played, just, you know, the level of competition and things like that, that people like to bring up in when we're talking about where the, where the Packers rank among the great teams in the NFC and the NFL. So for me, the way the snow was falling and, and just the things that were aligning for the Packers helped us get out and, and get a huge win against a great team. Everyone was talking about the the one and two coming into this week. We were one and two against teams with a winning record. Well, now we're three and two against teams with a winning record because we beat the Titans and then the Bears are now over 500. So it looks much better and we're up there. The Saints are also three and two, sort of the Seahawks. Uh, it, it's... It's all just so annoying, especially coming out of last year when that's any all anyone was talking about is how overrated this Packers team was. They're not a real 13-3 and team, which I agreed with to some extent. But this year, I don't think that's the case at all because we have just been – we our offense has just looked so much better than it did last year at all. So uh, coming out of that Panthers game, we didn't really know what to expect with this offense. We didn't know if that was more of a trap game, if that was a game we just – we underestimated our opponent and we played down to them, or if that was a, a sign of things to come for this offense, we assumed that they would be able to uh, get back into gear against the Titans. And they, they definitely did because they brought, you're right. They brought their a plus game, this game. Uh, everyone Rogers played amazing. Adams had another a- astonishing game. Matt LaFleur had another great game from a play designing and play calling perspective. And then AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, the run game was great. Just, the offense is one of their best games of the season, most efficient games of the season. And that's what we needed to see because it's December, it's week 16. We're getting ready to go in the playoffs here. We need to see this team at their best. And they definitely showed it. Yeah, they did more than show it. They put together a game in which all three phases put up a performance that we needed to get that, that complimentary football for 60 minutes. It's all four quarters. You saw this team play off its strengths on all three sides of the ball. And we were able to just put up that performance that shows you what kind of team this truly is when it's humming and when it's firing on all cylinders. And there's really, you know, with the strong performances in all three phases, uh, that comes with the strong individual performances from a lot of guys that 
were looking to step up and guys that we needed to have big impacts on games, especially games like this. Um, and we saw that. Yeah, we definitely did. We definitely did. It was everyone that we expect to play great, uh, played great. And the guys we count on, we were able to count on in this game with mainly being Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, who once again, for like the, the ninth or 10th time this year, just put on a show and were unstoppable. The defense could not do anything to stop the two of them. Uh, their connection is slowly becoming one of the one of the best in Packers history. They broke another record on Sunday for most uh, completions between a quarterback and receiver. Uh, it was just, you cannot stop them when they're both zoned in. It's like the best thing about Aaron and Jordy wasn't that Jordy was, you know, one of the most talented receivers in the league, but he and Aaron were always on the same page. He and Devante are always on the same page, especially in games like this, where they're both just in the zone. And Devante is so talented. He just creates separation like no one in the league. He's always open and Devante's or uh, Rogers is always thrown, always willing to throw to him. And when you get the two of them just totally in their element in the snow, it looked like they were the, <laughs> it looked like everyone was playing on snow except the two of them. They were just so dialed in and they were dominant against the Titans and they could not do anything to stop it. Yeah, them and AJ Dillon, I would say those three guys. But uh, yeah, yeah, what a great <laughs> performance! What a fantastic performance from just just a you know it's pretty clear that these two guys are the greatest connection in this league today and one of the great connections we've seen in the history of, of the national football league. And it's just unbelievable to watch unfold throughout this season and, and their connection grow in strength um, throughout these games. It, it's incredible. Um, Devante just continues to amaze all fans of football throughout, you know, throughout the country. I mean, it's just incredible. I really can't overstate how impressive what he's doing really is. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the league at this point, and doesn't look like that's going to change here now with just one week to go. And this team has brought together a truly special performance by just so many different guys that are are bringing the team to a whole different level this year. And, And that's why I think we're definitely... You know, we're the team to beat, not only in the NFC, but the NFL. And, and I think we've got a great chance to show that throughout these playoffs. Devontae was officially added to the, the 99 club in Madden. About time for that one. Uh, still waiting on Rodgers. I have no idea why he... I don't even... I don't I don't play Madden a lot, but I don't know what his rating is. But it's not as high it need, as it needs to be, considering he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, well, Mahomes is a 99 in the game, and, and Rodgers is sitting at a 95 right now. And... You know, I expect that, that to change. Yeah, it's it's weird right now. That just you know, you can never rely on these ratings as pure judges of of what the players truly are, talent wise. But yeah, of course, you know, of course, of course, Mahomes is going to get that ninety nine because he's he's the NFL media's favorite son. Um, <laughs> you know, real quick, I was thinking, uh, Rogers has a chance to get on the cover of Madden twenty two. I like, think who else this would it be? Is, Right. This is a great opportunity finally to get him on, on the cover. And of course, people are going to talk about the Madden curse and, and whatnot. But yeah. I, you know, and just the same way people try to tell me that I jinx the the games <laughs> when I provide stats. You know. I'm flattered that they think it, right? I have control. Yeah, I'm flattered that they think I have control over uh, over the games. Yeah. <laughs> My family's like that, like... Uh, I'll say something. They're like, oh, shut up, shut up. Or the, the broadcast shows the stat on the screen. They're like, oh, great, thanks. 
it's yeah i grew out of that i grew out of that a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> well look i mean the, the way that aaron Rodgers is playing obviously he's going to be the mvp and, and i'm sure he'll get to that 99 just like Devonte. Um, but there was a great video that came out that showed Rodgers breaking the news to Devontae that he made the 99 club. And you could tell how excited Devontae was. He said that he was getting feelings that he hasn't felt in a long time. And because and you know how badly he wanted that and how long that was overdue. And um, he really earned it because, you know, that that is an elite. It's hard to overstate how elite that club is because 99, that's the best you can be in this video game. There's thousands of players in the game and to be 99 one of just seven guys in the nfl to get that spot this year um that just that shows how great of a player he truly is after being ranked in the 50s in the nfl top 100 this offseason or whatever he was whatever he was ranked i mean to this this really shows you that he is truly a top five top seven top ten top three whatever you want to put him he's truly one of the elite players in this league, and I'm glad he's getting some recognition for that. The year he's putting together is just insane. It is up there with the the likes of some of the the best receivers this game has ever seen, and especially considering the fact that he's played in only 12 and a half games, he's missed games, and he's he's at 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, uh, 109 receptions. He's going to break the single season record, I'm pretty sure, uh, in Packers history, and that is the likes of. Chris Carter and Randy Moss, I believe the the 109 receptions and uh, 17 touchdowns. I'm pretty sure. So it's just he's playing like a gold jacket player this season, and it's it's really fun to watch, especially with a guy like Rogers playing the way he is, able to get him the ball whenever he's open, always willing to throw to him. It's quite the connection, and he's. I don't know if there's a debate anymore for who the re- best receiver in the league is right now because. Hopkins, it was Hopkins and Julio uh, midseason. That's what everyone was arguing with. And Julio's obviously been hurt. And Hopkins has not played at the level you'd expect him to as of late. And then uh, Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs offense, has not been very good at, uh, lately. So it's definitely Adams. He's going he's gonna to be up there for Offensive Player of the Year discussions. And he had a three-touchdown game on Sunday, which is just, it's, it's nothing new for him. <laughs> what a game from him. What a game. I mean, those just the the touchdown catches alone if you want to just single those plays out you know he had the one where it was similar to other ones he's had this year where Rodgers throws it out to him uh you know at the line of scrimmage and then Devontae just makes moves to get in the end zone and that was you know those are so impressive because you would think you know a guy's seven yards away from 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 the end zone and he gets the ball right away you think the the cornerback's going to be able to make a play to at least keep him from scoring but of course uh, Devonte finds a way to get in the end zone. It's it's so impressive that he continues to do that week in and week out. Um, and then the other one, uh, back shoulder fade, looking like a ball that Rodgers really just floated in there. Devonte somehow gets two feet in, body catches it. Just a gorgeous play between those two. And then the other, uh, Devonte splits a double team in the back of the end zone, finds himself wide open. Rodgers hits him, perfect pass. And those guys, like we just talked about, are on another level with their connection. And Devontae is, you know, regardless of who's covering him or how many people are covering him, he's just unstoppable. That last touchdown, it looked from the broadcast, you obviously can't see what's happening uh, in the actual end zone, but it looked like they just didn't cover him. But you watch it and he's double teamed. And he just, Roger said he broke off his route 
and is just such a smart player. And it's like, it's the combination of that Hall of Fame talent with the football IQ that a guy like Jordy Nelson had to be on the same page as Rodgers all the time. And it's just, it's an unstoppable tandem. And then that, that yeah. first touchdown is just a play we've seen from him before. Just get the ball in his hands. He's going to make someone miss. He's going to find the end zone or the first down marker, as he always does. And then, of course, that, that play late in the game up the left sideline was just one of the most incredible plays between that duo that we've seen. Um, you yeah. know, Rodgers Rogers said he checked it to a go from a slant, and it was just – it was pure trust. If you, if you ever want to look at how much Aaron Rodgers trusts Devontae Adams, just look at that play because – Devonte doesn't have much room. You know, he's got a, maybe maybe a foot of separation uh, on the corner, and and just Rogers puts maybe his best throw of the night uh, and one of his best throws of the season. Devonte makes a fantastic catch with his just his hands on the next to the body of the of the corner going down the sideline. Gets up, dances, gives the the first down signal. <laughs> That dude is the swaggiest player in the NFL by a mile. Nobody can top what he does on the field, and nobody can top his celebrations, his just his swagger. He's just got it. And something about him, I, I can't even explain it. This guy is on another level. My favorite plays are when it happened in the Eagles game where he catches a pass, he gets like hit stick by a defender, and he just, he just sits up and uh, flexes his muscles. And then in this game, he caught a pass and just sits up and uh, – does the the first down pointing while on the ground it's him and alvin kamara for me are just the swaggiest dudes in the league they just un untouched swag and then rogers in, is in that conversation too but it's a, it's a much different kind of swag oh yeah i mean Devonte, he you know he'll be in in this last game especially you know he'll be sliding in the snow and and just gets up and gives you that first down signal from the ground and just something about him like it just he he knows and everybody on the field knows that nobody can stop him and yeah. he just toy, he toys with the defensive backs that even attempt to do it and with Rodgers it's just like I'm smarter than every single person on this field and I know what they're doing more than they do and he's just he's he's like a surgeon just able to just just basically do whatever he wants out there and we see it every week from both of those guys, and they're both silent assassins on the field. Yeah, Adams, he's just, like, he's not a talker either. He's not, at a diva position, being a wide receiver, he's, like, the most non-diva in the NFL. But on the field, you're not going to stop him from uh, from flexing in your face. We're so lucky to have them. We are. We are very lucky to have him. And then Rodgers is just, he, it's like, he doesn't even have to say anything. You just know. He's got the, he's got the walk. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's so great to have those guys, you know, especially when you're talking about how confident you are in a team and, and their chances to do something special this year to have those two guys at the forefront of our offense gives me so much confidence in who we can be as a team. Oh yeah. Like last year, it's like, uh, it was like, we didn't really have an identity and that was probably over talked about, but at times, but we didn't really have an identity. Rodgers was good, but he wasn't like an MVP candidate. He wasn't playing out of his mind like he is this year. And then, and Devonte, he was also good, but he's just on a different level this year. And so that is that is our identity. The two of them just week in, week out, carving up defenses, and they can't do anything to stop it. Well, the one thing this week that was really a point of emphasis that we talked about before the game that we thought would make us 
the, the victors at the end, but ended up being way more impactful was the fact that the Titans pass rush just did not get to Aaron Rodgers in the slightest. And, and when that happens, when Rodgers has time to do whatever he wants and is able to feel comfortable back there and just go through his progressions, uh, it's not going to be easy to stop this offense. And obviously that was the case. Uh, it just didn't happen. So, you know, I, I just thought that we were able to really do whatever we wanted um, and that was why we were able to come out with the victory. Yeah, Rodgers is like, he's at the, the Tom Brady stage of his career where if you give him all day in the pocket, it's you, you're not going to win the game. You've got to pressure him at least a little bit. And the Titans tried to. They sent 11 blitzes, but he went 10 for 12 with 140 yards and two touchdowns against the blitz. So they took the they tried to take the formula that the Panthers took last week where it's just blitz in the Buccaneers for that matter. Just blitz him to no end and uh, kind of just, keep everyone covered in the back end and uh it should be a winning result but that was not the case this week because they could not get any pressure at all for most of the game and he was able to just dice him up yeah and you felt Corey Lindsley's presence uh coming from his return uh with the offensive line really doing an excellent job keeping Rodgers protected not only but also uh in the running game Aaron Jones had a great start uh had that one huge run um, and then, of course, went out with the injury, which gave A.J. Dillon a lot more opportunities. And we saw what he was able to do, you know, over 100 yards, two touchdowns in his first real action. Um, number one, we interviewed A.J. Dillon on this podcast and talking to him was it was very, very good to hear some of the things that he was talking about. And you could tell the kind of character this guy has. Um, so we were excited after, you know, after really hearing him talk and getting to ask him questions about, you know, what kind of player he is and, and just all different things about his character, um, was really telling about what kind of player he could be in this league. And it's great to see him kind of bringing that all together now, um, as we not only move on into the season, but as we approach the playoffs where we talked about his body type being one of those that could be a legitimate weapon for us in these games where you might have to rely on running the ball more. Um, and we saw that it, it really all came together for him. And, and, you know, going back to what we were, we talked about with him in our interview. Um, so, you know, the running game was elite. It was our best performance of the season, maybe um, to be able to have 235 yards on the ground. Um, and, and one of them come from the big rookie rookie back. So it was, it was a great performance by the offensive line and the running backs to be able to really dominate um, not only in the passing game, but also in the running game, which helped us get to 40 points on offense. This was Dylan's first game with over five carries. So it's up to this point, it's been so hard to just like evaluate him at all and uh, the kind of player he is. But now that we've seen him in extensive action, we, we know what type of player he is and what type of player he can be because he's just... He is a bruiser. It takes an army to bring down that man. He had 93 yards after contact. That is just, that is insane. That is wow. out Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Derrick Henry, we were flying to the football against Henry. The Titans did not take that game plan because it's a rookie running back. Never, never had more than five carries in the game before. And he tore him apart and cornerbacks they cannot tackle him one-on-one -on -one. and when we block everyone but defensive backs it's it's going to be it's going to be tough to bring him down I mean we all know about these quads you can't you can't take him down from the legs no yeah I mean he uh we saw like in the few carries he's had throughout the season they've been pretty like they've all looked nice like he's had some long runs 
you know, of 10 plus yards on, on a couple different occasions, even some seven yard, you know, six yard runs where you're like, you know, this kid could really run. And when he's coming into the game cold and, and breaking out six yards, seven yard plus runs, uh, it's pretty impressive. And then we saw him get that full action for the first time. And, uh, you know, it was all about what we thought he could do. And he's, you know, we'd love to see him keep this performance up because just he imagine a backfield with Jamal Williams, great pass protector, you know, guy who can run a little bit, but is a, is a pass catcher out of the backfield as well. And then obviously Aaron Jones, we know what he can do. And now add AJ Dillon to the mix. Uh, who's really maybe one of the, he's probably the toughest runner of the group. Um, so we've just oh, got yeah. everything that you would want in a running back between those three guys in the backfield for now. And, and that's going to be a great tool to have in the playoffs coming out of this game. It's like, uh, it kind of, I don't know if the front office is going to overreact to one game, but they might want to reevaluate what the plan might be going into this off season because a backfield with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones in their first game together, it was pretty dangerous. They combined for five first downs, which is incredible for running backs and uh, they also had five yard or five carries over ten yards, so they were just so explosive. And it's the old school thunder and lightning, a la Eddie Lacy, James Starks, which we haven't. I mean, I guess Jones and Williams at their peaks are both the thunder and light, lightning uh, type of running backs, but I don't think Williams gives you the amount of impact that Dylan does just on a per carry basis. I, I yeah, I agree with you there because I don't think when we've talked about this before, but. I think I think Williams is more limited running the football, um, especially against good defenses that are going to be able to stop the run, um, or even defenses that'll stack the box. Because I just think Jamal doesn't bring that like that that speed level or that lack of ability to be tackled as much as AJ Dillon does. And of course, we've seen Jamal, you know, just be so aggressive and tough running the football and, and guys are holding him down and trying to get him to the ground. And he's getting these tough yards. We're not trying to diminish Jamal here because he's been great this season, but Dylan brings a, a different attitude running where it's not that it's not, it's not like this anger that you see with Jamal. It's more of just nobody can get a hold of him and he's yeah. fast and he's just, you're not going to tackle him, but he's just tough that, in that he can just run all over you right down your throat and you really can't do anything about it regardless of how many guys are in the box. Yeah, Williams is our has been this season our third and one, fourth and one running back. Give it to him, let him run up the middle. Matt LaFleur loves that play, but I think Dylan is just, he's the perfect running back for that. I mean, he, he truck sticked a 290-pound defensive lineman, just ran right over him for a touchdown. Yep. I think it was seven yards from the end zone. It's like how how did how does he do that? He's just I have insane. no idea. And it's so it's so it's weird very to exciting. see a guy that it's it's so weird to see a guy that is that big just get manhandled on that play. I mean, Dylan just absolutely demolished him, uh, and, and it didn't yeah. even it didn't look like it didn't look any you know like any difficulty for Dylan. Dylan made it look so easy too. Just crazy mm -hmm. impressive that guy's strength. Yeah, and. I mean, taking a running back in the second round, it's just maybe not the best thing you could do, but we're at the point now where I'm done judging the process. I'm done critiquing what the front office was thinking there. And now it's the point he's on the team and he looks phenomenal. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about AJ Dillon. Yeah. I'm, you know, obviously in hindsight, the move, I think it, you know, at the time I was definitely more accepting of that move than that first round pick that we made. 
because there was a scenario where we're going to lose, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that it, we're not going to be able to re-sign both Jamal and AJ and uh, Aaron Jones. So to have a guy that they really like and that as you looked at his tape and also look at just, just you could just look at the guy and you could tell that he's going to, he's just too, he's just too much of a freak athletically to not have success. Um, you know, I ended up thinking the move would be good for a future you know, a future part of the move. But when you look at the first round pick we made of a guy who definitely isn't going to play to get another guy that would serve as a backup this season coming off an NFC championship loss, that was more of the issue for me with the draft. Oh yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's more the fact that we found Aaron Jones, who was our best running back in the fifth round. So uh, taking a running back that early is usually not not too wise, but he's on the team now. He's a Packer. He's wearing green and yellow, so I'm going to root for him, and he looks great. But the run game in all was definitely helped a lot by Matt LaFleur's play calling and play design coming out of last week where it looks like such a stale version of what we've seen this offense as this in 2020. But this year we were back to the motion, back to the creative play design. We had 21 carries with uh, some kind of motion pre-snap or at the snap, and we generated 174 yards off of that, 8.3 average yards per carry. So it's it's just like so simple. And whenever we have these games where we don't utilize the motion, it's very frustrating because it just it puts so much stress on the opposing linebackers, especially having Rodgers in the backfield at playing at an MVP level. It's just so much chaos for the opposing defense. It's so easy just to generate these free yards, basically. And so it's great to see LaFleur get back to what, what he's been doing all year. I thought Tavon Austin provided a really nice boost to what we were doing, like you just mentioned with the motion. Uh, having him able to do that kind of thing and, and even get the ball a couple times, you know, he made some tough catches on, on, on really hot balls from Rodgers that wouldn't be caught by a lot of different players. But him being a slot receiver type build um, and having that speed and, and concentration to catch those balls that Rodgers was throwing to him and, and get positive yardage on just about every time he touches the football. Uh, I think I, I, he's been a great addition, and I'm excited to see him continue to get touches and, and get involved with this offense moving forward. Yeah, he's been great. He's pretty much perfectly substituted what uh, Tyler Irvin brought to this offense, and it's it's cool to see him already getting designed plays that are designed to go to Tavon Austin and uh, he's definitely the receiver you want to see. He's definitely built for those type of plays. Coming off of the bubble motion, you can uh, hand it off to the running back or just flick it out to him. And when you do both of those things, the linebackers don't know what to defend. So it's it's really smart football there for Matt LaFleur. And it's it's just easy stuff. And so last week's Panthers game, it makes it all the more frustrating. Why do we just get away from these things for games at a time? But when we're doing it, when we're playing at our peak, Maybe it's just maybe it has to do with Lafleur just saving this stuff for the bigger games. I'm I'm not against that totally because when when it works, it definitely works, and we get the forty point games out of this offense. Speaking of that, you know, I'm still waiting to see where this uh, there's no huddle offense that everybody's talked about. You know, Matt Lafleur said they've been working on since the off season started since last season. We haven't seen that hurry up you know, that up-tempo stuff, unless it's like a two-minute drill or, or whatever the case is. So I'm waiting to see where we get, you know, because it's a lot of just, you know, Rodgers getting to the line. We're going to, you know, we're going to um, we're gonna huddle up and we're going to call a play. I'm still waiting for Rodgers to be able to bring that stuff out on his own and give him more of the ability to 
um, bring his own stuff to the table that, of course, Matt LaFleur's, Matt LaFleur's plays, but Rodgers' ability to pick and choose that stuff, high-tempo stuff, um, that we haven't done much of this year. And maybe that's something that we could see in the playoffs. Yeah, the no huddle is just, it's literally been non-existent for this offense. I mean, to be fair, they haven't really needed it most times this season. They've been That's working a good just point. fine. Yeah. But, like, think of the Colts game in that, uh, when we were on the game-tying drive, that big play to MVS. Even, that was, like, no huddle. We didn't have many timeouts, but every time we'd get a big play, it was just run up to the line and spike it. It's not It's not any kind of run up to the line and we have a, we have a called play for the sequential play after the big play. It's just we get it. We get a positive yardage play. Just spike it, and we'll call another play. And so it's that just, it's is a great point. That's a great point because that you're, the way you're talking about that. Instead, you know, if we didn't lose those spikes, um, those downs yeah. on the spikes, we might have won that football game. Yeah, we've seen Rogers work like that. He's one of the best at that. Just working on his own, calling his own plays in kind of a way. Just you know, drawing it up in the dirt. And we haven't seen a lot of that. And when this offense is stale, like last week, when it just can't move the football, uh, it'd be nice to just have that in the back pocket, the no-huddle offense. But it's, yeah, definitely nowhere to be found. And, you know, like I mentioned, maybe we see that. Maybe, you know, there's always something that you're saving. There's, you know, for every head coach, they've always got something up their sleeve. Maybe this is it. I mean, you know, nobody's really asked him about it in press conferences or, th- or anything like that in a long time. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe this is something that he's got in his back pocket. Yeah, that's it's it's I last time I heard anyone talk about the inside the building. Anyone talk about that was like training camp where it's like that's one exactly of the last what things I said, yeah. they had to install. But like, is, did they install it? Do they just not have one? I don't know. Yeah, but it was I very weird in the Colts game. It was very weird when they were just spiking it. Like, don't you have two plays called? Don't isn't this how football works? Yeah, I don't know. I guess best case scenario there is just don't don't ever need it. And yeah, they I have guess, not I guess you're right about it. that. Yeah, yeah, they haven't needed it a lot this season. But um, something else the running back the running game helps is the play action game, which has been such an improvement over last year. I've talked about this before. It's when you're looking at what's improved, what what this offense is doing better. Uh, this year than last year, where last year it was it was it was an average offense, I'd say. This year it's the best offense in the league, probably. You got to look at play action. Rodgers now has twenty touchdowns and no picks off of play action, where last year he had four touchdowns and one interception. And we're not using it that much more often this year because it was twenty six percent usage in twenty nineteen, twenty nine percent this year. It's just much more efficient, and uh, you can look at the running game that that helps it that defenders focusing on the ground game helps uh helps go over the top but uh it's it's the big thing that this offense is doing much better and the big thing that Rodgers is much better at this year than last year see i don't even think it's it's that the they're focusing more on the running game uh particularly because i thought we we were running the ball as good if not better last season um and adding to the fact that Rodgers is obviously having a great year um, MVP level year. So they're going to probably be more focused on stopping the pass game anyway. So for me, I think it just has to do with Rogers comfortability, um, in the offense and also just his connection with the receivers that we've got, uh, growing through this time, you know, that we've played, uh, these multiple games now, now almost two seasons full with Matt LaFleur, uh, at the helm and probably just Rogers himself, 
just doing it, doing a better job at, at timing his dropbacks and, and hitting guys at the right time and, and finding what works. So for me, and, and a lot of that is the short stuff. We know one of the common plays that we've seen have a lot of success, especially on big downs, uh, is that, you know, that third and short, third and medium play action rollout to Robert Tunyon. And, and that's had a lot of success. So you got to give that a lot of credit. Um, and, and all that is just kind of gelling together for that play action pass. It definitely comes down to Rodgers just being much more efficient overall in every facet of the game. Um, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders the other day had a tweet about how the Packers were 15th in defensive DVOA last year and they're 15th this year. Uh, run game was fourth last year, fifth this year. The difference between last year's lucky Packers and this year's really good Packers is entirely Rodgers. So it's like it's the run game is probably, like you said, probably worse than it was last year. And the defense is probably playing at about the same level. So it's definitely just the only thing you can look at is just Rodgers just being a much better quarterback, much better, much more comfortable in this type of offense. And we've talked about it all year. It's the revenge tour. Maybe it has to do with Jordan Love, new newfound chip on his shoulder. But he's just he's just been insanely efficient at a level that we didn't see from him last year. So when you're looking at things that are making this offense better this year compared to last year, it's... Rodgers just being much more sharp, much more confident in where he's going with the football and doing these things like motion and play action that are the floor staples that Rodgers just get is just getting more comfortable with. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I think all that has contributed to why Rodgers is the MVP of the league, why Devontae Adams looks like he could potentially be in contention for the offensive player of the year. Um, and just obviously our overall success as an offense scoring 30 points in 11 out of our 15 games, which is mind-blowing. Um, just all of it combined has just been so great for us, and I, I think that has a lot to do with why we are where we're at. Yeah, when you're talking MVP, it's like, look at last year where Rodgers was a, a, a top 10 quarterback, borderline top 10 in that area. And we were just so stale in most games last year offensively. And then we get the MVP Rodgers and we're putting up 40 points against the Titans. It's it's just an entirely different different level of offense when we have Rodgers playing at his best. Speaking of playing at their best, let's talk about this defense because they're doing just that and they are doing it at a high level right now. And it's, it's a lot of individual performers that are bringing this defense to new heights that we've only thought about last year. Um, and, and they're getting back to really their best football since Matt LaFleur became the head coach. The defense was just outstanding this game, and they played nothing like how I expected them to. We're coming off of a, like about a month now where we were beaten up on bad offenses overall, or bad to average offenses, I'd say. And, you know, they they played well. They looked well in all the games. But it's like, I don't know. I don't really know how much stock to put into those performances. And this was going to be a real test going up against a very physical team. You know, people always call us soft. Uh, we can't contend with these run-the-football, smash-mouth type of teams. And we did just that. We held Derrick Henry in check in the first half. Uh, Tennessee had 12 carries for 44 yards, 3.67 average. We held them in check. We get out to an early lead, and then we f- that's the formula that this Packers defense needs to have. Just stop the run, let the offense work, and then they're going to have to throw it, which is the strong point of this defense. And in the second half, Tannehill was 5 of 16 for only 55 yards and a pick. So it was just great. The back end played great. Great coverage all around. Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander continue to just be playing at the best of their positions. And then we were generating pressure. Rashawn Gary really came on. Zeke played great. Preston played great. 
and it was just the players we need to play great on the defense all played very well. So that's the formula for a successful defensive night. Yeah, you said it best. I mean, it was our best defensive night. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, think about how much you know how much nerves there were surrounding the fact that we had to play you know the league's most powerful and and maybe the league's best running back um you know fans were worried fans were concerned that he would run for over 200 you know maybe 300 yards on us uh, they were thinking about what had happened to us in in the NFC championship game last year and you know who could blame you know who could blame people for thinking like that and then of course in in Packers fashion, we come out and shut him down practically for less than a hundred yards, which teams rarely do these days. Um, and you know, it's not like they were forced to throw the ball more because you know the Titans only completed eleven passes; they threw it twenty-six times. That's pretty mind-boggling in and of itself. The fact that there were eleven completions on the Packers' defense, um, but then you add to the fact that they still ran the ball over twenty times. Just you know, just about as much as they as they threw it, um, it was impressive. Just really a phenomenal showing by guys, specifically like Rashawn Gary, who had maybe his best game of the year. Preston Smith, who's been coming on as of late and is having really impactful plays in games. Zadarius Smith continuing to play at a really elite level, and plenty of other guys. Kenny Clark, fantastic against the run this week. Uh, Dean Lowry has played pretty exceptional the last five weeks. Uh, he's been coming on as of late as well. And we're going to talk about another guy who we just brought in. Very exciting stuff. We brought in Damon Snacks Harrison to the to the team on off waivers after he was released from the Seahawks. Um, and that's a guy who, you know, he's at his best. He's an elite football player, elite run stopper. And you bring him in after the performance that we just had against the run. That should cure a lot of fans' woes about what they think could be the downfall of this team in the playoffs. A lot of people talked about our run defense being the thing that holds us back if we if we get as far as we did last year. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case. It's if if we don't make it to the Super Bowl, if we don't win the Super Bowl, it's going to be something else that stops us because we've now got Kenny Clark back healthy and dominating as he does in in every year. Um, we've got Dean Lowry playing at a pretty good level, Kingsley Kiki doing his thing, um, getting more snaps every week and now adding snacks Harrison to the mix, you know, whether he plays this week, probably a little more unlikely or the first playoff game that the Packers play, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot stronger of a defense specifically up front. And, uh, after the way we looked against the Titans, that's even hard to imagine because we had our best game. Adding Harrison is it's just great as a Packer fan knowing that the weak point of this defense the past two seasons has been the run defense and a defensive coordinator who just ignores it most most weeks. So adding him in, getting him to replace a guy like Tyler Lancaster snaps is just it's it's an improvement coming like you said coming off of this game where we contained the best running back in football to only ninety three yards I believe. It's uh it's great and this defense can now only go up and that's now the second signing this season in the past month. With Tavon Austin and Damon Harrison, where it shows a commitment to this year, something that we've, me and you, Bron, have been critical of, of Brian Gutekinds for not bringing in these midseason acquisitions, but now he's done it, and it's he's looking to improve the team. 
as it is, and it can only go up from here, especially coming off of that performance against the Titans. But focusing on this game against the Titans, I think Mike Patton really, he really impressed me this game because, you know, like I said last week, this Titans offense, in theory, is it, it shouldn't be that hard to stop from a from a play calling perspective. They're going to run the ball on first and second down, no matter how successful it is, no matter what the score is. You've just got to stop that. And then our secondary is good enough to stop the Titans offense. And that's exactly what happened on first on early downs. You saw the Packers stacking the defensive line, stacking the box, making sure Derrick Henry is not going to run six yards a carry. He's not going to go for 300 yards. And that commitment is something that I've been critical of Mike Patton for. And it's it was really nice to see him commit to the fact that Derrick Henry can go for 300 yards if you don't stop him. And he did try his best to stop him and we contained him. We really did, and you got to give credit to Mike Pettin for emphasizing to the guys that you're going to have to swarm him, you're going to have to gang tackle him, and even when you think you've got him, you can't let go. And, of course, you know, you got to give credit to the players as well for really buying into that and executing it on the field. And like you mentioned, you know they're going to try to run the ball, you know, regardless of the score, and uh, they're going to try to do it early. And, and try to get into great positions where they can convert easy third downs. But when the Packers are able to stop Derrick Henry, you know, for less than five yards on a lot of carries that night, that was just a really impressive performance. Um, to be able to do that puts them in, in difficult third downs, which are now predictable, and which is why the Packers defense is able to execute and, and really just have the pass rush go to town uh, you know, and, and do their thing and then have the guys in the back end knowing that a pass is going to be coming. So it really just puts the defense in a great spot as a whole when you're able to do, you know, do your job on those early downs and get it, get the Titans into a spot where you know what they're going to do and you just have to make sure your guys are doing their job and you're not going to let it happen. And, and it worked. Everything worked. Mike Pettin has been really, he's really improved throughout this year just through a lot of little things. We've talked about what he's done with Darnell Savage, and we saw it again this week, how impressive he was, almost having two picks, ended up with one, um, You know, making pass breakups all game long. Adrian Amos, same thing. Both of those guys, obviously Jair Alexander, is, you know, he barely allows catches anymore. Nobody targets him, and when they do, it's a pass breakup. I mean, Mike Pettin is utilizing his guys – to a high level right now, and the defense is is playing right where we want it to be, and it's exciting. Yeah, earlier this season we were talking about how he just needs to he needs to trust his players because these guys can play. He just needs to trust them, put them in situations where they can execute, and most of the time they do. And we the perfect example of that on Sunday, trusting his guys to cover well, Jair to cover well, Darnell to read see the field properly and make plays. Same with Amos, and uh, his pass rush. He trusted them to get home, and that's what happened on Sunday. And the Titans' most successful play of the night, undoubtedly, was the Ryan Tannehill touchdown run. And that was a product of everyone on the field reacting to Derrick Henry. So you can see that was the coaching point of the week. When you see Derrick Henry getting the ball, everyone, go swarm him. That's what you need to do. And, you know, it was a negative play for the Packers' defense, but I'll take that if it means we contain him for most of the game and we hold him to three three yards per carry in the first half. You know, just like the run defense, like you mentioned, was able to really key in on Derrick Henry, I thought the secondary really just executed at an elite level, um, like they have been, really. And Darnell Savage is, you know, who we mentioned a little bit, he's just playing some really excellent football right now and and he's playing like me and you both discussed you know we had talked about 
what we wanted to see from him. Um, playing closer to the football, more opportunities to get his hands on some of them. Um, and then, you know, Mike Pettin started actually doing that. And we're seeing the product of that, you know, each and every week, which is him getting interceptions. He's got four in his last five games and he's dropped a couple as well. Um, just, and he's, of course, he's breaking up passes as well. So all that stuff going on is a product of what Mike Pettin is, is putting him in position to do. Because a player can only do so much when they're in the back end, you know, you know, 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. And we've talked about this plenty of times. But now we're seeing him continue to have a huge impact on the game. And his skill set is really being let loose um, by the defensive coordinator. Uh, and that's, that's making our defense better as a whole. And him next to Adrian Amos is, is a pairing that we haven't seen in Green Bay at the safety position in a long time. Yeah, taking a guy like Darnell Savage, who's one of the most talented guys on the defense for sure. And just keeping him 20 yards back is just, it's, it's a waste of talent because he's not a factor on most plays. So, and he was at times early on in the season, a liability he gave up a few big plays. Um, but, you know, keeping him closer to the line of scrimmage, let him just be the robber. He, we're using him as a chess piece pretty much. He's blitzing. He had another, another nice blitz on uh, Sunday where he forced a incompletion on third down to get the Titans off the field. It's just, using him in the middle of the field, closer to the line of scrimmage, it's just great. And that the play where he dropped the pick was one of the most impressive plays I've seen from him. Watching him from the all-22 angle is just insane. It's like, I told you, Bron, it's like he's the only guy on the field who can hold the right trigger in Madden. Because <laughs> he's, yep. he's like, he's in the snow in a blizzard. He's just running backwards at like 40 miles an hour and then runs up and uh, forces the pass break up. It would have been so nice if he got that pick. But, uh, you know, sadly he dropped it. But... Uh, it's a it's a net win for the defense at least, and seeing him just come on these last this past couple months has just been phenomenal. Him and Amos right now are the highest graded safeties according to PFF since week eleven. So the two of them, you're right, is just something like think back to Josh Jones and Kentrell Bryce. Oh mm-hmm. God! Oh my! And God. we liked this Kentrell is... Bryce. We liked him. <laughs> we liked him. He was horrible. Uh, this safe this kind of safety pairing. <laughs> This kind of play from Darnell Savage is looking like he could be in the all-pro conversation next year if he keeps it up for an entire season because right now he is playing unbelievable every week. Specifically with this pairing, they bring a unique, like, contrasting stylistic skill set where Savage brings the speed and and Amos brings that smash mouth. Well, you know, his nickname is Smash. Uh, he brings that smash mouth, hard-hitting side of the safety position kind of what you would want in that free safety, strong safety combo. And they're really like the ideal pairing. Um, And I think they complement each other really well. And that's what obviously makes them so great together on the field. Yep, they are phenomenal. And it's great to have them in the back end to just keep everything safe as as you expect your safeties because it's not something we've seen from Green Bay Packers safeties in many, many years. And Darnell has the opportunity to be one of the best safeties in Green Bay Packers history, certainly since Nick Collins. But, uh, you know, elsewhere in the secondary, Jair continues to lock up guys. He held Corey Davis to zero reception, zero targets, I believe. And uh, Kevin King was only targeted one time, which is ideal, I suppose. He, he gave up a reception for 12 yards, but he was only targeted once. So that's the, that's the ideal situation for the Packers secondary. Keep everything, 
keep everything away from Kevin King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the strong points of the secondary are so strong that we can just eliminate the 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 bad parts of the defense. It's it's going to be good. And then the pass rush is able to get home thanks to the coverage a lot of the time. They had 17 pressures on Sunday. So this is really the defense that we're, we really need to see going into the playoffs here. Coming off of last year, a game where the Niners just ran down our throat and we didn't do anything to stop it, this was definitely the performance that we wanted to see from them everywhere on the field. Yeah, coming into this game, Corey Davis was the number three ranked uh, receiver, according to PFF, and Jair just shut him down, just blanked him. Zero catches, zero targets, like you mentioned, and... Um, you know, whoever's in front of Jair, we know what's going to happen. It's not going to be a good day for that player. Um, and you mentioned, you know, we talked about last week, Kevin King, um, was our worst player on the field on defense last week. And and that's why we had issues that we did in that game, um, against the Panthers. And then we saw, you know, him play a little bit better or at least not get exploited. Um, and then we saw Christian Kirksey, another guy that we talked about as a, as a player who, was giving us a lot of issues and you're only as good as your worst player because it's, it only takes one guy uh, to, to ruin a play. And Kirksey didn't play that many snaps, only had 12. He had less than, uh, less than Kamal Martin and less than Chris, Chris Barnes who played the whole game. But you know, when Kirksey was in the game, he did play pretty well. He ended up getting a pick of course. So he, you know, he had a really nice game compared to what he's been doing, even if it was in moderation. So that's I think the defense as a whole was able to play better because those guys uh, were in a detriment to what we were doing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. In the pass rush, what can you say about the Smith brothers? They look back to their 2019 form. Preston, especially, who's been playing very strong uh, as of late. And Z, he had a game that we expect to see from him. And uh, Rashawn Gary, like I said, he he's playing a lot more inside defensive tackle position, and he's able to generate a lot of pressure from there. He looks great. Just like Zadari Smith is. Yeah, he looks really, really yeah, good he, for a young he, player. He looked really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked really strong. Looked like the player that they drafted. Very toolsy, hoping you can develop him within one to three years into the to a dominant pass rusher. And he had one of the best games of his career on Sunday. So that's great to see. Great to see the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary all generating pressure. And then with Kenny Clark and now Snacks Harrison on the inside. It, what more can you ask for from the defensive front? I mean, look at this defensive front that we've got now. We've got, of course, the Smith Bros on the outside, Kenny Clark in the middle. You know, put put Snacks Harrison next to him, and if you just even if you want to just rush those four guys, that's a pretty excellent, you know, just tandem of guys that you think one of them can get to the quarterback eventually. Um, and if you're going to include, you know, Dean Lowry, who's played well of late. You've got, of course, Rashawn Gary you could throw inside. Z you could throw inside and have Rashawn on the outside. So many different ways to put this group, you know, now, especially with the addition of snacks, to to put this group in a great position to get to the quarterback and stop the run. Uh, this front looks in, like it's going to be in a really great position going forward. Yeah, they're, they're playing their best football going into the playoffs, which you always talk about is what you need to be doing, playing your best when you need to be playing your best. So... It was all around great performance from the defense, but this week we got a not a tougher test for sure, but we have a very, very important game coming up against the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field because the number one seed in the NFC is on the line. If we lose this game and Seattle wins against the Niners, which everyone expects them to do, uh, Seattle would be the number one seed and we would be the number two seed. And in 2020, only the number one seed gets the bye week, unlike any past year so the one seed is very important especially coming off of this game where we saw the snow and the weather become it made an impact for sure it was definite home field advantage at lambeau field no one wants to come up here so 
it's very important to win this game on Sunday. And Matt LaFleur said they're treating it like a playoff game, and they need to be because there's no reason they should lose this game, and it is very, very important. I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't rule out a 49ers win against Seattle. Um, you know, Seattle hasn't been great, playing great football. They've scored, you know, 20 last week, 20 the week before. Um, they're not they're not, you know, lighting it up on offense like they were. Um, defense has been better, but I, I would not be shocked if the 49ers came in and, and beat down the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll see if that happens, but either way, I expect this to be a win for green Bay in the, in the Chicago game. And although, you know, we'll talk about more, you know, what they're doing on offense, but just, you know, as a stat for starters, uh, in their last four games, they've scored 30 plus points. And that's pretty impressive considering they have barely ever done that, you know, in the history of the organization. Um, and with Mitch Trubisky there, um, but at the same time, you know, this is the Chicago Bears and we have their number pretty much every time we face them in the last few years. And I still feel like this team with this defense is hot as we are. Um, and the sense of urgency that this whole team from the top down feels about this game, I feel like we're going to be able to come out with a victory. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky is just <laughs> it's it's a repeat of 2018 where Bears fans are getting very excited over his recent performances. Like you said, 30 points in four straight games. That's incredible. But uh, who have they played? They played the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Lions. Uh, the other team is lapsing my memory, but it's like, eh, OK, OK. Not the best defenses, for sure. Well, they haven't so played us. That's, up, that's all I can say, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Mitch Trubisky seems to crumble under the pressure of playing the Packers, which is really, as we've stated in the past, for for these other teams in the NFC North, especially the Bears, this is really their Super Bowl at this point with the quarterback they have and the wide receivers and offense that they have, just their whole situation in general. Uh, playing the Packers is really what they're trying to do. They're trying to beat Green Bay because they know that's their only way to the playoffs each and every year. And we're seeing it now. Mitch Trubisky looks good right now, yes, but you mentioned the the level of competition that they are playing, but you still got to give them credit. Of course, they're they're playing better than they have all season, but they haven't played us. And when they did play us, it was a blowout on our end and Mitch Trubisky was there and the really the real only difference they'll have this week is um Akeem Hicks, probably their best player on that football team. He will be back in the middle, so the running game might not have as much success, but I still expect the passing game to do its thing. Their secondary is a little banged up. Jalen Johnson has some issues going on, and, and Buster Scrine as well. But, you know, I still think, regardless of who they've got in there, Mitch Trubisky is going to give us opportunities to get the ball. He's going to he's gonna give us turnover opportunities. He does every week, even in these games that, that they're scoring 30-plus and winning. Uh, he's going to give us a chance to go and get the football back. And and I like our odds this week. I really do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he threw a Hail Mary in the red zone last week against the Jaguars. It was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Classic Mitch Trubisky play. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold on that guy. I don't care. I don't care how well he plays for however many weeks. He's better than Nick Foles. I'll give him that. I don't even know Bears about that. that I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hope they sign <laughs> I, them both to I an extension. He, yeah, that would be that would be ideal. Um, <laughs> maybe trade for another. <laughs> yeah. Maybe trade for Carson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Throw him into the um, mix. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate quarterback competition. But uh, Trubisky, I don't care how well he plays for however, however many weeks. I don't care what the numbers look like. It it's it's been four years now 
Bears fans. He's he's not good. He's not good. <laughs> I hope they extend him though. That would yeah. be, that would be great. Give him all the money they can they can handle. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the defense. We saw what they were able to do with, against the Bears' offense for three quarters at least. They they made some noise in the fourth quarter when it was when the game was already over. So I'm not too concerned about that. But so uh, Griff, let me let me ask you the, this: If you had to pick one thing that you're concerned about by the Bears, if if it's you know what's the one thing you think could give us some trouble? Is it is it Allen Robinson? Is it David Montgomery in that running game? Is it you know the Mitch Trubisky running the football, which is probably what I would say his ability to um, probably get outside the pocket and run a little bit could give us trouble. That's what I would say. Um, or is it their defense? Is it Akeem Hicks being in there? Is it Khalil Mack? You know, I, I'd like to hear what you think is something that could challenge us this Sunday. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be, if it's anything on the offensive side for the Bears, it's going to be Mitch Mitch's ability to run the football, which is probably his best attribute as a quarterback. He's able to run when he's able to, when the defense lets him. And uh, we've seen, well, we saw it by Ryan Tannehill on Sunday, where the defense just forgets that he's able to, that he's pretty mobile and he runs for however many yards for a touchdown. Uh, so that's if they're able to produce on offense, it's likely going to be a factor of Mitch's ability to run the football because I don't think David Montgomery's very good. He's been hot as of late, but once again, it's the same thing. They've played horrible defenses, so uh, I think our thing, I think our defense is going to be able to hold all as all aspects of the Bears' offense in check. But as for the offensive side of the ball for Green Bay, uh, this this defense is good. I'm not going to say it's not good. They have played well this season, but. We Green Bay's played tougher defenses, and they've already played the Bears, and they put up 41 on them. But again, without Akeem Hicks, so who knows how much of a factor he's going to make in this game. Um, but, you know, the Packers' offense, they've played good defenses this year. A lot of people, they act like we've played nobodies, but we've played New Orleans. We put 37 on New Orleans. We, put, we played Indianapolis, game we lost by three points in overtime, and we played the Bears, and we scored 41 points. So the only real offensive shutdown we've had this year was against Tampa Bay, and it was a total fluke. I mean, in hindsight, we can say that. It was a total fluke, that game. We've, we haven't seen them shut down like that since that point, and that's the only game this season they've been shut down like that. So I, I really – I'm done – worrying about the offensive production especially in a game where we know everyone in the building is going to be dialed in because they have to get that bye week they have to make sure the playoffs come through green bay so i expect the i expect the offense to come prepared and i expect them to do their thing yeah i agree with you in pretty much everything you said uh and i would even add the vikings that week one game uh you know especially going into it, that's a, you know you're thinking that's that's a good vikings defense even though they had rookies in there and and, uh, you know, they still had their guys, Anthony Harris, uh, Harrison Smith in the back end, and then they've got guys in the, in the interior that you like. But, you know, that game as well. So we've gone in and, and just outplayed pretty much every defense we've, we've gone up against, like, except the Buccaneers, who even they, you know, we had the upper hand on them in the first quarter. We were up 10 nothing, of course, and then the picks really turned that game around, and, and that's just the way it ended up going. But... You take away those picks, we probably win that game. And that's a lot, you know, of course, if you take away two turnovers. But I just really think if, if Rodgers makes different throws on those plays, we're going to end up winning that game by a pretty comfortable margin, which is the crazy thing. So, I, you know, really, whatever defense we're facing, this might be the toughest challenge we faced yet, only because of how hungry we know the Bears are. And it's familiarity. The, these games where, you know, We've played Chicago so many times. Rodgers has specifically Devontae. They've, you know, they come in with a game plan 
every week, every time we face them, every season, to try to stop Rodgers, to try to stop Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. And, you know, they never have the right game plan to do it, and they just never can. So these guys have a lot of pride about what they want to do and and who they want to be and where they want to get to, which is the playoffs. And we're going to have to see if that is enough for them to, uh, you know, kind of outplay a team that is just better than them, frankly, um, in the Green Bay Packers. So we'll see. Yeah, the the only thing that can stop this Packers offense is when they stop themselves. It's when they commit too many penalties or drop a bunch of passes or don't pass block as well as they know they should. Uh, so speaking of if, that, if we come into the game, speaking of that, zero penalties, zero penalties and zero punts, uh, for a stat we didn't mention uh, from this past game, which was the first time that's happened in Packers history since 1941 when penalties started being uh, calculated. So, you know, that's impressive. We didn't mention that. And that tells you how clean of a game, how complimentary of a game that was for a full 60 minutes. Um, everybody did their job in a clean way. Oh, yeah. Coming off of the Panthers game and Lions game where way too many penalties in both of those games. So having a game where just commit zero of them, completely clean effort by the Packers, that's that's what you want to see from this team. Because And look what happens <laughs> when they don't get in their own way. They can do great things. It's just you got to stay out of your own way. You got to stay focused. I don't know what it is. But uh, I think Matt LaFleur is going to coach him up for this game. I think he's going to put them in positions to succeed. And I maybe I'm a homer, but I cannot really see the Bears finding a way to win this game because, frankly, we're just a better team. We've been a better team all season. We have more talent on the roster. And I think as, mu- it, as much as this game means for them, meaning a, a seventh seed in the playoffs, uh, if they win, I think it means more for us almost because this team definitely wants that bye week and they want people to come to Lambeau Field. The thing with the Bears is, yes, they can get in if they beat us, and they will get in if they beat us, but they've also, they're really invested also in, in this Arizona uh, versus uh, LA game, uh, the Rams and Cardinals. Uh, if the if the Cardinals lose that game, the Bears are going to get in either way, whether they lose or win against us, but the Rams are going to be without their starting quarterback, and they're going to be without their number one receiver, so we'll see if they can pull that game out. But, you know, if Arizona wins that game, they're going to have no other chance to get in. But if they try to beat us and we'll see, I mean, the stakes are high for this game and obviously uh, that Cardinals game as well. So we'll see what happens. A lot of a lot of teams hopes riding on other teams games. You know, we'll see. I mean, this Packers game specifically, both teams, like you mentioned, are extremely motivated and I'd argue Green Bay has more to play for, of course, because getting this by is is what we've talked about for so long. Trying to get an NFC Championship game at home, Aaron Rodgers talks about it, you know, ad nauseum, and this could be our real chance to do that. Yeah, they cannot blow this opportunity. Rodgers talks about that all the time about never getting an NFC Championship game at home. So this is the perfect season. This is the we're the far and away best team in the NFC at this point. And if we somehow manage to mess it up, it would just be so brutal. And then you look at individual motivations like Rodgers. He wants that NFC Championship game. He's going to come into this game prepared. He's trying to win MVP. Mahomes isn't playing this week. It's his award to lose at this point. So he needs to play well because, you know, he cares about that. Adams has all kinds of records to break this uh, this game. And it's just I, I can't see a way where this offense comes into the game unprepared like they have at times uh, over the past two seasons where they just get in their own way and – shoot themselves in their own feet. 
Well, you mentioned uh, how you know it would be devastating to lose that um, that first seed if the Packers were were to lose this game against the Bears and then the Seahawks win. That would be that would be tough to swallow because we felt like we've been in this position all year to get that number one seed, and it's really right on our fingertips right now, and we just can't let it slip away. But if we do, you know, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be, you know, Chicago's coming to Green Bay in in the wild card round, so. The one thing I can say is, let's say, you know, let's say we lose this game to Chicago, which I don't expect to happen, but if it does, we're going to be able to go and, and try to beat Chicago again, and I doubt they would beat us twice. That's all I could say. So um, we're going to be in a good position either way. I still feel like we're going to be able to go where we want to go. We're going to be able to get to the Super Bowl if we can, if we can just, you know, just play our game of football, whether it's at home or whether we're playing in the wild card round. I still think we match up with everybody, but you know, as good as it gets in this league. So I, I feel, I feel good about where we're at as a whole. Yeah. I mean, even if we, even if we by chance do get the two seed, I'm still going to be pretty confident in our chances in the, in the dance, but it just be such, it's just so unnecessary. It's on our fingertips. If we manage to mess it up, it would just be just so annoying and then there's a chance that Seattle's able to make it to the NFC Championship game, and we'd have to go to Seattle again. That would just be that would just suck. That would suck. We need teams to come to Green Bay because they don't want to come to Green Bay. And Roger said on the McAfee show when he's in the cold, he just thinks that uh, he's less miserable than everyone else on the field is. And it's true. They don't want to come up there. They don't want to. They don't want to come play in the snow. They don't want to come play in 19 degree weather. So just just win. Just win. Just You're work. right. I think Aaron Rodgers, something I thought about, especially during this game, this past game, was with Rodgers and Devontae and these other guys, when other teams come here, they're confident that their game isn't going to be diminished by the snow or the, you know, the, the footing. They're confident that they're, if not, you know, Rodgers talks about him being faster in the snow, but you know that they're confident that their game won't you know, it just won't diminish. You won't see a drop off in play from these guys. And they're confident in that. On the other hand, when you're talking about these teams that come to Lambeau, you know that you're going to get that. You see it every, every time it happens in these snow games, you see the drop off in play. And that's what gives us the true advantage. You know, we're praying for snow when, when these games are at Lambeau in the playoffs, and it'd be nice to get an NFC championship game in the snow. I mean, that would be ideal. That's like, you're putting us in a great spot to win here. So it talk, you know, the snow is such a it's it's so it's so interesting and fascinating how much of a a boost it gives to the Packers, but how detrimental it could be to any other team trying to come in and, and win a road game against us. It's it's really fascinating and and it shows how how important it truly is. And, and if we're able to get that, it really does give us a true advantage. It's it's really hard to describe, but it, we have a true advantage when we go and play these other teams. Uh, when we're staying home at Lambeau. Especially in 2020, when no other team has fans, and including Green Bay. So it's like, we're really one of the only true home field advantages at this point. Just the weather. Because it's the weather. We, we don't play inside. So it's like, 
it's it's tough to come to Lambeau and play well. It's the frozen tundra. Teams are scared of this. And then you look around the NFC, Seattle. Russell Wilson stinks on Broadway every time he comes to Lambeau Field. Uh, Tampa Bay. You think they want to come up to Green Bay from Florida? I don't think so. Uh, New Orleans plays in a dome. Arizona plays in a dome. L.A., you think they want to come up to Green Bay? They play in a dome as well. So it's like it's just we have to get it because it's such a it's such an, a boost for this team and it boosts their chances to go up to uh to go to the Super Bowl and we've lost twice I believe and uh in at, in Green Bay in the playoffs one of them was to New York they already play in the cold and the other one was San Fran which was a, a fluke game I'd say where Colin Kaepernick ran all over us so it's teams do not want to come up to Green Bay in January. It's a fact. We have to win this game. We have to make sure the playoffs come through Lambeau Field. And if you can't tell, the urgency is high. I mean, it's just it's high in the building. It's high among the fan base. This is a must-win game, and and there's no truer sense of the word when you when you talk about this one. Um, rivalry game, the Chicago Bears. The history is is unrivaled between these two teams. The Packers have a hundred wins. The Bears have ninety-five. And I mean, this is just one of those games where everything's on the line. Those rare occasions where the Packers play the Bears week 17 and everything's to play for. And uh, it's exciting. It's nerve wracking. I mean, Griff, I'm nervous. You know, I get just thinking about it. You know, you get the chills, you get the nerves. Oh, yeah. It's it's really you feel it because it's one of those games where it's just it's anything can happen. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm all of the above. And I just can't wait to potentially send the Bears home. That would be just a fantastic way to go into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm super nervous. I, I wish the Rams would have just won on Sunday because of course all yeah. this could have been avoided. They, we could have been. They looked like the best team. Yeah. They looked like the best team potentially on you know in terms of most complete in the NFC just a few weeks ago, and then they go and lose to the Jets, and of course now they start losing. Uh, so yeah, it's so weird. Like why, you know, but we have oh to, we God. have to take care of our own destiny and we control it. So it's just, we yeah. have to do what we have to do. It's our time. And the true, you know, we talked about this game being a true test of, of where we were at and a measuring stick and all that. And obviously we passed with flying colors and we're the clear best team in the NFC. This seals the deal, this game where this is a winning team. And regardless of that, it everything's on the line now and it truly is a playoff game like Matt LaFleur says so I mean this is it here this is where this is where we really show who we are and and in fact we end up getting to where we want to go and the number one seed gives us the best chance to do it and everything's on the line can't overstate how important this game is and if you win this game you get a week off that that should be and then snacks is coming to town and and we'll be at our best then you get snacks in the mix Healthy. Everybody's healthy. Healthy. Everybody will be tight. You know, you might see Tyler Irvin back. Then you have Tavon and Tyler Irvin. What a, you know, just to have two guys, just, you find all this insurance policy by being healthy, skipping a game. Basically, you basically win a playoff game by getting a buy all these other teams. You know, we could see the craziest things could happen. We've seen, we've seen crazier things than a quarterback getting hurt and having to miss a week. I mean, things happen. We could get lucky and and not have to face a guy like Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. If you know, whenever you, that's just what the way the playoff playoffs go. And to get a week where you just get healthy and rest and prepare for the next matchup, it's just completely just critical. It's so important, and to have the opportunity to get that with a win this week 
is unbelievable and it's a great chance for us to show who we really are definitely it's going to be exciting it's going to be a good game i i think it's going to be i don't know i think it's going to be closer than uh the week 12 game but i, I still can't see a way in which chicago is able to come out of this one with a w it's going to start with i i don't think we i'm going to tell you right now i don't think we get to 40 and i i could see us not getting to 30 either just because of the intensity of this game is going to be high and the bears are going to do whatever they can. They're going to play their hearts out because their playoff lives are on the line. You know, we're already locked in, but they have to, you know, they have to do more to get in. They just, they still have to get into the dance. We're locked in. So they're going to, they're going to do everything they can. They're desperate. They're, they're going to, they're going to really just do it all to try to get in this, in this playoffs and, and win this game. So, We'll see. I mean, I, I expect it to be a closer game like you mentioned, but I think the Packers defense is going to show up in a big way and really solidify the fact that both sides of the ball are going to be at, at the top of the league at the end of this game. And, and I'm going to go and say that the score is going to be, I'm going to say 28 to 17. And I think that's going to, that's, it's going to be closer than the score than that score says, because that's that 11 point margin is quite big, but I think Green Bay is going to get some scores at the end to really just seal the deal. And and that'll be a great win for us, obviously. And and I'm excited. Uh, Griff, give me your score and also tell me a guy that you're looking at as the as the maybe a potential X factor. I think the score is going to be a lot like what, what you said, maybe in the 28-17 range. Uh, I, think, I think we can get to 30. We've gotten to 30 most games this season by far. So I think I'm going to, th- I'm going to say lock it in 31 to 21. 10-point game. Uh, that feels good. And I think they pull away in the end with a late field goal just to really seal the deal. And then, and then a guy I'm looking at, it's it's got to be Rodgers. It's just that's such an easy answer. But I think he's he wants that third MVP. He wants that NFC Championship game at home. And so I think he's going to come out and just slice and dice the Bears' defense. He loves playing at Soldier Field, and he loves playing the Bears, and he loves beating the Bears especially. So I think it's going to be another, another great performance for him just to lock up the MVP with Mahomes not playing. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with two guys. I'm going to then they're both on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with Kenny Clark in the middle as as the key guy. Uh, we're looking at him to continue dominating because these past few weeks he's been really, really good stopping the run um, and 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 getting to the quarterback as well. So I, I'm expecting him to really man the middle um, on a weak Bears O line. I think he's going to have a great opportunity to to have one of those game wrecking performances that could give us a, a big win. And the other guy for me is Adrian Amos, who obviously a former Bear picked off Mitch Trubisky in his first game against the Bears last year uh, when we brought him in. Um, I'm excited for what his his opportunity to do in the middle of the field passing game with the tight ends that the Bears like to do. A lot of their stuff is mid-range with the tight ends uh, in the passing game. And I think Adrian Amos has the best chance to have a huge impact on that. We saw what he could do with just a few weeks ago when he was breaking up passes, you know, left and right on multiple drives. I think he's got a great chance to have that kind of performance once again against a guy who he's played a lot against in practice uh, in Mitch Trubisky, and I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see more more of the play we've seen from the, both of the safeties that we've seen in recent weeks against Mitch Trubisky, who is not a good quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He cannot throw the football. So it should be another another solid game from the Packers secondary. Should be a good game all around. I think we win this game. Uh, I can't, like I said, cannot see a way where the Bears are able to pull away with this. Uh, could be a freezing cold take next week, but I, I really just cannot see a way where they win this. 
I'm with you there, Griff, and and I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Make sure to find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, We'll see you next week, hoping for a great win here. Uh, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening.